Hi, this is Glenn Rawson. One of the most powerful ways to share history and heritage is by the telling of stories. We began sharing inspiring stories nearly 30 years ago. Each of those stories is true and was intended to inspire and strengthen faith. Over the years, those stories have reached millions around the world. This podcast is for you to listen, learn, and enjoy. anyone out there who's having a crisis of faith, questions about doctrine, questions about history, questions about the existence of God. I was there. I went through it. This book is about that. And even though it's a fictional novel, the questions are true. And I want to read to you a portion of that if you don't mind. This takes place on the very summit of the Grand Teton. Look, Shawnee said, pulling him out of his thoughts. Looking where she pointed, J.O. watched as the massive clouds to the east rolled back and opened like God parting the sea, exposing a breathtaking view of Jackson Hole, Wyoming, some 6,000 feet below. Oh, wow. J.O. said breathlessly. Now both of her hands clutched his upper arm in a tight grip. Look at that, J.O., look at it. It's incredible. Have you ever seen anything like it? J.O. shook his head, unable to speak. There was simply nothing he could say that would do justice to what he saw and what he felt. How often does one get to see the world like this? Shawnee turned and stood face to face with him, the intensity in her eyes surprising him. J.O., I don't know anything about you or what you believe or even why I'm saying this, but I want you to know with all of my soul, there is a God. And this, her hand swept over the panorama, is only the beginning of his gifts. She stopped speaking but her eyes, shining in blue, held his. J.O. couldn't look away. Something in those eyes captured and held him. Her words cut to his soul like a knife. Slowly, almost unconsciously, he nodded in agreement. She was right. There was no explaining it, but he knew unequivocally she was telling the truth. There was a God. It was as though he had always known and that there had never been so many years of doubt. He looked away toward the clouds. The gap in them closed as quickly as it had formed, shutting off all view of anything beyond more than a hundred feet. Together, they stood, reveling in the moment. Then something jolted J.O. An innate sense of alarm sounded, and he once again became acutely aware of his surroundings. The hair on the back of his neck began to stand up, and a peculiar fuzziness charged the air. He paused for a moment, sensing, listening, then caught it. The hum and crackle of static electricity. Adrenaline slammed into him like a sledgehammer. Get off, he shouted at the others as he jumped off the summit rock. Get off now! They all looked at him in confusion. He jumped off the rock and reached behind for Shawnee. Seeing the bewildered expression, 
he thrust his arm to the sky and shouted, Lightning! I know it's a fictional novel, my friends, but the questions are real. And if any of you have someone you love who has some of those kinds of questions, maybe this book will be of use to them. For this next story, I'm indebted to my friend, Jean Tonioli. It comes from her family history. Pernilla, Nils' daughter, Balm Nielsen, was a faithful Swedish church member who at the age of 45 immigrated to Utah in 1863 with the John F. Saunders Company, along with her three youngest children, one of whom died on the Pioneer Trail. Because of limited funds, Pernilla, her husband and teenage son, made the journey two years later. The family settled in Fairview, San Pete County, Utah. Though their material possessions were meager, they were happy to be among the church members in Utah and enjoy the blessings of the gospel. Pernilla helped in the home and did work for other people to help support herself and her family. She was faithful, helped others with her skills of sewing, cooking, candle-making, spinning wool, and weaving cloth. She often bore her testimony of the truths of the restored gospel. Can you picture her? A faithful Swedish immigrant, faithful saint, learning the language and learning the culture of Zion. Pernilla had known much of sorrow because of the death of close family members who were dear to her. She was the oldest and only surviving child of Karna, Jan's daughter, and Nils Baum. Nine of her brothers and sisters died in infancy, and the family coped with their seemingly endless grief by memorizing large sections of the Bible. Her dear parents died within days of each other in 1855. During her marriage to Oli, they had nine children. Only four grew to adulthood. She buried two infants, a two-year-old boy, two four-year-old girls, and a seven-year-old boy. Her son, Per, drowned at the age of 20 on the Green River during a mission to rescue immigrants coming to Utah. Finally, her dear husband, Oli, died after a long illness at the age of 55. Thoughts of beloved family members in the spirit world were constantly a part of her life. Late in Pernilla's life, she was at her home in Fairview, Utah. Her sons, two sons, Lars and Swen, were grown adults and living on their own. Her youngest son, Oli Jr., now a young man, was watching over his mother and taking care of her home and property. One evening, he was out cutting wood and saw a group of people enter his mother's home. Well, he finished, gathered up the wood, and went to the house to see who those guests were. To his surprise, when he entered, there was no one there, no one but his mother. He asked her if she'd had visitors. Quote, she said, there were some people here from our departed family, who asked me to do their temple work, end of quote. So many ties to loved ones in the spirit world. It is not surprising that they would reach out to her for her help. 
and she did. Pernilla did the work for many of her relatives in the Manti Temple before she passed away on 20 December 1898 in Fairview, Utah. My friends, I see it again and again. We live in the presence of the dead. They know us, they love us, and this work, the work of redeeming the dead and sealing our families together, of gathering Israel, is the most important work on earth. Last story. Brigham Frederick Grant. I suspect that very few of you have heard of him. Affectionately, he was known as B.F. Grant, was born October 17, 1856, in Salt Lake City, when he was just six weeks old. His father, Jedediah M. Grant of the First Presidency, passed away in Salt Lake, having worn out his life in the Lord's service as part of the Great Reformation. And then, when B.F. was only two years old, his mother married out of the church and left him. The child, B.F., was sent to live with a family in Richmond, Utah. During his time in Richmond, Bishop Mariner Wood Merrill came to know the boy and love him as one of his own. In fact, he said he wanted to take him in as one of his own sons. But evidently, B.F., who was never taught to read and write by his foster family, became very unhappy with the situation where he lived and made plans to run away. He arranged with a wagon boss passing through the area to catch a freight train, freight company, going to the mining camps of Montana. And when the day came, the boy carried it out and disappeared, leaving behind family, friends, and the faith of his fathers. It is reported that he became, quote, a very profane man, and that he hadn't the slightest interest in the gospel, end of quote. All of this deeply troubled his older brother, Heber J. Grant. Elder Grant shared those concerns with his friend and colleague in the Twelve, Mariner Wood Merrill. According to President Grant, Elder Merrill would always smile and say, quote, Well, Brother Grant, don't you worry about that brother of yours. He'll come back all right. Mark my words. End of quote. Then Elder Merrill told Elder Grant how the night after B.F. had run away from Richmond, he began to feel, this is Elder Merrill, that he began to feel almost rebellious. He had told his wife about how the boy had lost his father at such a young age, and his mother had now married out of the church and abandoned him. Quote, now this boy will be without father and mother and will undoubtedly go to the bad. I feel as if the Lord ought to have inspired me to take this boy away. I learned to love him, Elder Merrill said, almost like one of my own children, end of quote. That very night that Elder Merrill experienced the following dream, he shared that dream with Elder Grant. Let me renew. 
On the night that B.F. ran away, Elder Merrill was frustrated, almost angry with the Lord. Why didn't the Lord warn me? And that night, as he went to bed, he experienced the following dream, and now he's sharing that dream with B.F.'s older brother, Heber J. Grant. Quote, I saw your brother traveling from one place to another with the vilest kind of company. But wherever he was, he was always surrounded by a light. In my dream, I asked, what does that light mean? A voice answered, that light is the influence of a faithful father to protect the boy from committing sin whereby he cannot come back into the fold. And then Elder Merrill continues, Then I saw him come back to Utah. I saw him join the church and become a hard and diligent worker, traveling throughout the stakes of Zion, laboring among the wayward, careless, and indifferent and profane young men all over the church and meeting with marvelous success. That is why I have told you time and time again during the years that your brother took no interest in the church and was a very profane man that he would eventually come back and labor among the youth of Zion. End of quote. B.F. Grant did come back. The dream was fulfilled in every particular he became particularly active in working with the young men of the church and was part of the committee that sponsored the first scouting activities in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It is said of him that in one single winter, B.F. Grant got over 500 boys active in the Mutual Improvement Associations in Salt Lake County. He passed away in 1936 firm in the faith and full of years. He went on to become a successful businessman, civic leader, family man, and servant of the Lord. We have no idea the influence of our faithful fathers and mothers, their light that carries with us, surrounds us from beyond the grave. Their love and concern for us does not end at death and nor will yours for yours. Thank you for listening. Many of the stories you heard today have been published and are archived at glenrossonstories.com. If you would like more information, you can communicate with us there. We will be back again with another podcast next week.